and welcome. Hello to... and welcome. Hello. Are you just going to repeat everything I say, Jason? No, I don't know. It depends <laughs> on, on if I agree with it or not. Fair, fair. I think that we will have different opinions. This is this is book club. This is EFG's book club. We're yep. reading Peace. Or we did read Peace. We read it. By Jean Wolfe. Here's my physical copy. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. So I just want to warn people. This book was published originally like in 1972 or something like that. 75? Uh, 75, yeah. So, but be warned, there be spoilers here. Mm. Um, yes. Maybe. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> and I will also say that this book... Like, if you were to go on the internet, you could find any interpretation of this book that you want. Go down the rabbit hole. And, and <laughs> chances and, are you could find evidence for any of those theories to be correct. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So just before we start with anything, kind of overall thoughts. How does, how does ever, Jason had read this before, Alana and I had not. Mm -hmm. So overall just your thoughts on the reading process with this book and going through it, Jason for the second time, Alana for the first. I actually did end up going through this twice. I read, I read it twice as well. Yeah. <laughs> and but we once. <laughs> yeah. It's, to be fair, it's a lot. It is a um, lot. Yeah. It's, it's a short book, but there's it's not it's, a long book. <laughs> it's dense though. There's a lot there. Yeah. Yet um, your mind written. cannot wander while reading this book. You really have to 100% have all of your neurons firing. But go ahead, Jason, what did you think going at it for the second and then third time? The first time I read this was, I, I was in high school. So it was oh, wow. 25 years ago, maybe, give or take. And I I was reading a lot by this guy and I didn't I didn't. Get it. I just remembered I, I, there was some pretty stuff in there, and I remember I liked the words, and I and I think there was a ghost at some point. That's like all I remember. So rereading it with with a with a more, I guess. So you only read it the one time. I had only read it the one time. Yeah, initially. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, when I was in, like when I was in high school. So reading it again because I'd me I'd been meaning to to, to reread it for a while. Uh -huh. Because even even then at sixteen seventeen I was like I don't I'm not get I know I'm not getting something I don't think I'm yeah in the right mental space for this now you know or I'm, I haven't learned how to read a novel yet it, which is basically to some extent so for me rereading it again with kind of fresh eyes and having forgotten ninety percent of it other than I enjoyed it the first time around even though I didn't understand it I felt myself. I don't know. I, I knew I was trying to solve a puzzle this time around, and maybe that's why I looked at it differently. I found myself not necessarily reading so much for the for the the, the beauty of the prose, and there are some beautiful oh, yeah. passages, but more like looking for the hints. You know, it's like what was the clue? So for me, it was, and that's almost why I went and reread re it a third time, so I could not worry about looking for trying to solve the mystery. You know, I wanted to just kind of enjoy it for the writing. So I don't know. I think I might have shot myself in the foot a little bit because I didn't let myself enjoy. Just some of the, the the beautiful beautiful passages, you know. There, there's some really lovely stuff about, you know, the 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 nature in in the U.S. and just some beautiful th little bits about memory and, and death in there. I was trying to solve the puzzle, and I think oh. I might have 
got too too wrapped up in that yeah and and rick put a comment in <laughs> he had he has to record something else tonight he is salty because and rick is normally here with us <laughs> he did not finish the book it does take a lot to get into this book not an easy read it really isn't okay so what about you alana so when i first started reading it i was like oh this is a lot of pretty language but then i was like you also told us to that there was some mysteries in here so mm -hmm. i was like keeping that in mind but i was reading it because i wanted to read it as it is but mm -hmm. my brain kept picking up like these darker themes and like really yes, picking yes. up on them yeah. right away and as i kept going through it i was like I started realizing what the rhythm was a little bit more. And then I was like, oh, every time this happens, this is because of this. And and then it started like all clicking as I went along. And I only did the one reading. So I probably missed a whole bunch that I don't even realize. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't know. So we also tried to record this last night and Alana and I talked a lot about it. And I don't think you missed that much. I think you <laughs> must be a pretty intense comprehension reader because you had a lot of the stuff I did so I feel felt like going into this knowing that I needed to pay close attention was maybe I don't know maybe a disservice to the book because maybe yeah. I went into it like it was a school assignment right. I and, and that was maybe my bad for for Putting that thought in everybody's head. Sure. Yeah. Like and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yes. <laughs> this is my book. Right. I never I, told you to do that. I never no. told you to do that. <laughs> no, but I have lots of underlining and highlighting. I have not done this since my senior year literature class <laughs> in college. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we want to do this exactly. Go through I mean, my chapters. I guess um, there's there's gonna be spoilers. There's no way to explain the yeah. book or to talk about without the book without spoiling things. Seeing what happened. So I think the the first and probably the biggest spoiler and the thing that kind of makes you understand what the book is about. I don't uh, think you need a degree for this. However, I don't think you do. But I mean, it's definitely you, you it's, definitely need to be able to read between the lines a little bit. Yeah. And you have yeah. there's no hand holding. That's what I was yeah. trying to tell my yeah. husband about this. Mm -hmm. This is not like you have to go, this is not House of Leaves where you need to go read the book up to a mirror or something for a section or mm -hmm. whatever they have you do. Yeah, there's no uh, tricks as far as that goes. Yeah. It yeah. is just not going to handhold you. For right. example, yeah. I will start with, I think, okay. what is the first line of the book? It says, the tree planted by, the, by Eleanor Wold, the judge's daughter, fell last night. This is the inciting instance for mm -hmm. the story. Is this tree falling? And it's one sentence. Yep. And it's one yep. sentence. But the other thing is, is that you will not really find out the circumstances of how this tree is planted unless you are on the hunt. Mm -hmm. Because later on in the book, probably in chapter four, I think. Yeah. Well, first of all, in chapter two, we know that Eleanor Bold goes on a date with somebody whose last name is Price. Right. <laughs> and then in chapter four, our main character, Alden Weir, says that his aunt's close friend, some Mrs. Price. Mrs. Price, yeah. <laughs> calls him to tell him that when he dies, he's going she's going to plant a tree on his grave. Right. 
if you didn't connect those lines, <laughs> then if then it might be difficult to understand that this whole thing is taking place from is a, a ghost story. It is him right. as a ghost walking through his memories of life, going in and out, mm -hmm. and so you go between different times and stories but without without having connected those lines i'm not sure you would need that but or that you would be able to catch that except mm -hmm. that alana and i both did yeah in the first chapter right yeah i i was telling alana that i messaged jason very early in my message of this book and i said so this guy's dead right i don't want to spoil it like i did for everybody i was mm -hmm. watching this sense with but he's a ghost right, right. and mm -hmm. jason did that and alana the, you had a different experience but you also right off the bat because yeah. of your grandma yeah yeah it was actually a very personal experience my grandma died from a brain tumor and mm -hmm. the erratic, the erratic nature of the way he was telling the story mm -hmm. very much echoed that. And I was like, oh, this person's dead because there is no other like the memory, like jumping from memory to memory yeah. and stuff like that. That's very common in brain tumors and strokes. And so like I got I picked up on that piece very quickly and I just knew I was like, OK, this guy's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit more personal, but <laughs> no, I mean, that's. I mean, I, it's a great insight. I mean, I'm sorry yeah, about your grandmother, yeah. but yeah, so yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's very much by design. Let me just talk real quick about, we'll, we'll get into it. Let me, let me just talk about Gene Wolfe real quick, the, the writer, the guy who wrote the book. Sci-fi grandmaster, he passed away about six years ago, but his most prolific period was in the 70s, 80s. He wrote like 50 or 60 books, but when all of a sudden done, he just, the man was a machine, but he was originally an engineer. A mechanical engineer so his books are very much built kind of the way you would almost build a machine everything is all the pieces fit together some way you just have to kind of figure out how they fit together but everything is there that you need but at the time of writing this book he was working for procter and gamble still as an engineer so there's a lot of times in the book where where we're the main character that's talking about how miserable it was to work at the factory and how everybody hated it and i think you can very much there's some autobiographical stuff in there, <laughs> but much as Weir helped invent a powdered orange juice drink that everybody yeah. loved. That is made everybody from knows. potatoes. Right. But did you no figure out- No actual oranges in no, this. No, no, no. So the whole thing is a lie. Okay. The whole thing is a lie. Did, did you guys figure out what the name of the orange juice powder was? Tang. It was Tang, right? Yeah. Remember he said it was, it was named by his aunt who loved Chinese things? Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, wait, yeah. that's Tang then. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Gene helped invent the machine that made the potatoes, the, the Pringles potato chip cans. Like he was the one of the ones who invented that machine. And he, he would say for, for years, like he could tell which machine the potatoes were cut on by like the way what they, they fell out of like. them. Right, right. <laughs> but as you know, potato Pringles are not technically potato chips they're a no, lie too they are they potato are flakes potato pressed like, together like right. things are so paste. he was also writing about a, a product that is a lie after he himself had to make a product that was a lie so so yeah just 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 when when you think about that you know think this is a, this is a guy who was burned out on on the midwestern life that he was living burned out on the factory he was working in 
trying to find a way out, I guess, in some extent of, of, of the life he had been living. So I think there, there's, there's a lot about, oh my gosh, I see, I don't even know where I want to start. (laughs) There are a lot of big themes in the book. I think the effects of capitalism on small town, on small town living in small town America is a big part of it. But not me. I think that evil is a big thing, but not exactly. So there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I kind of went into this thinking, absolutely. There are so many murders in this book. And like, this guy's just like a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not sure on a second reading See, that's the thing. that he actually did most of these. However, it's more of the thing about how our morals just kind of slip into complacency yes. and how that tips the scales of good versus evil. Yes. Anybody else get that? No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. The, the second time I read it through, I'm like, oh, he... I, I know he killed this person. I'm pretty sure he probably killed her, and I'm I'm pretty confident. But then on the third time, I'm like, maybe, actually, no, maybe, maybe he didn't because when he talks about this character that we know he killed, when he's a kid, when Alden Weir is a kid, that's the main character's name. When he's a kid, he has a fight with one of his friends, and that friend falls down the, the stairs. And as and a result, he has a spinal cord injury and eventually passes away. And he dies a few years yeah. later. And what do his parent? What do Alden's parents do? They leave. They leave him with his aunt and go off for Europe for a few years. They don't want to deal with the stress of having a kid who even inadvertently as a childhood accident. And then it's uncomfortable for them in their social situation Mm -hmm, because it's mm -hmm. a small town and they're all good friends. And these were people who were invited to a birthday party. And so that's too much for them. Right. The way to deal with this is to ignore it until it goes away which kind of is how he starts dealing with it as well. Yes. And at least is how it's <laughs> modeled to him. Mm-hmm. So his entire life is the, the, from the very first memory he has it, it is twinged by a tragedy that he was involved in, but probably wasn't responsible for. And, and to some extent, cause he was a kid and it was, a, you know, you didn't mean to push him down. It just happened. Well, and, and they were fighting, like and they were fighting. Yeah. definitely like accidents right. happen when we're right. kids. So <laughs> And his parents abandoned him. So it's a, it, it, it's it's probably misplaced guilt and abandonment are like the first two major emotions this guy feels. And you wouldn't and, and the, the fact that the kid fell down the stairs from the fight isn't spelled out either. It's it's the end of one chapter is him saying, and then I saw Billy walking up the stairs, his arms waving as if for a fight. You know. Well, that's in the middle of the chapter. Right. To be clear. Right. Right. And then the, the beginning of the next chapter, it just when. So and so died when Dr. Black's child died a couple of years from the spinal injuries. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, all right, I got that now. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, yeah, um, it it's wild, and it's not. They're definitely not even going to handhold you that much. Right. That was probably the easiest thing to figure out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's why when he talks about other people in his life who who died under mysterious circumstances or or, or disappeared out of his life you're looking for clues like, oh, did, did he kill them or did they just leave? Like he has, he has a girlfriend at one point where they go on a treasure hunt. And she never after. comes back to town. She just disappears. It's she, it, disappears. she pulls a gun on him. He says at one point, it reminded me, you know, he, he's referring to another character. She went for her waist, just like Joan went for the gun in her waistband. It's like, okay, so Joan pulled a gun on him at one point. 
And then the next thing you know, when he mentions her, she left or, well, she left my life anyway. And it's like, shit, what does, does that mean you killed her or did yeah. she go? But yeah. So, so let's. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, let's kind of go into the structure of this. Okay. So this is, yeah. this goes from young age, from about the age of five through mm -hmm. the age of like late 60s-ish. Yeah, that's in mid-60s. So we've got kind of a, it does do a general progression of early life, adolescence, mm -hmm. mid midlife, or, or like, I would say like young, young adults. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And then, and then old adults, right? right? Yeah. But in the structure of the novel, we are constantly being given stories. Yes. Stories told by Weir himself, stories that are being told to him, stories that really sometimes do not seem to have any context around them, which is kind of wild for a novel. Like to just be like, I'm yeah. looking at the clouds and all of a sudden I've got this story about a genie. Like, <laughs> so throughout this, we are constantly looking at stories and interpreting them for information because of probably not the first story in the in the book but because of the maybe second story second story which is the story of princess alaya which happens in story in 2 mm -hmm. or in chapter 2 which is very easy to follow it's kind of like jason said he's teaching you how to read the novel yep because the story of Princess Elia, which if you looked it up, Elia means olive and his aunt's name is Olivia. She has three suitors. I use the quotations because like she's dating them. They're I don't know. Her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she has three suitors and they are these three guys that were introduced to all in the same chapter. So, and we find out that this princess doesn't like the first three suitors that come to her and ends up with the well actually you're not even told that but you are told that there will be a fourth suitor mm -hmm. and olivia marries the fourth guy right right <laughs> so this first not first story second story in the book is kind of teaching you to be on the lookout for how you can apply these stories to the novel to infer things that aren't directly told to you right yeah because there are correlations between the three princes who who court alaya and the three suitors but yeah. you all you also know if you're paying attention you know how the relationship with those suitors in all of suitors and olivia's suitors in real life is going to turn out before we even talk about it because in the story you know so the story is the reflection of the truth uh of what really happens and i think that is yeah, yeah once you learn to kind of recognize the symbolism and the whole olive and Eli, I think that's as probably as, as clear a one on a one-to-one -one as it gets, you know, other times mm -hmm. it's not nearly as, as obvious who the, who each character in, in the, in a given story is. But Yeah. There are honestly, there are stories in here though. There's, there's some that I think it's, I don't know, easier to connect but yeah, I don't, at some point I want to talk about some stories that I couldn't connect and see sure. if you guys could, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Do we, what else do we want to talk about before we get into specific instances? 
I mean, there's just so much. It's it's like it is a dense book, but yeah, I guess it is. It it, it is a, it is a guy who is dead, who probably doesn't realize that he's dead. At least not initially. First, running away from it. Yeah, yeah, reliving experiences of his life that that have kind of shaped who he is. And I get the impression that this is the first time through, but that he's probably going to have to go through things a few more times. It seems a lot like he's coming to terms with some difficult stuff that he would never let himself admit or or you almost he'll cut off a story when it gets too painful it's like he's not ready yeah. to deal with with what happened, what happened? well um, and i think that that actually is told by the story of the i think i called it china pillow which is the chinese headrest yes. yeah. yeah at the end of that story the main character gets his wish has a wonderful life and then when he meets the old man who gave him the wish in the first place the old man says, why weren't you grateful? You wish you could do it all again. So, okay, go ahead. You're going to have to do it all again. So, and that is the, that is just a story at a dinner party. Right. And it doesn't even pertain to anything. at the Yeah. 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 And that's exactly it. Until you realize after the fact, oh, that's what that was about. Okay. Yeah. Because again, yeah, he, he says at the very end, I, I, you know, I, I, I see the China pillow again, or I see the Jade pillow again. Yeah, yeah. So and, like, my, and then my, yeah. his aunt, who's at this point long dead, mm-hmm. says, are, are you still up? All which is one of, yeah, which, which is, is one of the first yeah, lines exactly. she says in the book. Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, it's cyclical. It goes right back around again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you want? Yeah, what, 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 what did you want to talk about? I mean, I, so one of the, I, I don't know. One of the best stories to me is the story, the alchemist story. The alchemist story yes. is great. Yeah. Which again, we are given almost entirely in chapter three, except that we are given the end of it in chapter five. Yes. Yeah. And it is the maybe. story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what we could remember. You know what I mean? Like it could be the end. It's what he wanted to share as the end, but yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, obviously, this and this story of the alchemist is maybe referring to this is the suitor number four, Julius Smart, telling of his time in probably like Florida, working mm-hmm. as a druggist or a pharmacist for another pharmacist. I'm sure about, yeah. Both in the text, Julius Smart, who is the suitor, t- says that he has embellished it. Mm-hmm. And Alden Weir says that he has retold it and embellished it. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows what actually how much, is? How much, yeah. What the story you hear you're reading is not the original. Yeah, it was not what it was originally told. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So what do you guys think of that story? I mean, I think that the idea of the alchemist is that you know alchemists turn metal into gold, and Julian learns to turn potatoes into potatoes oranges. Into orange juice. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I honestly really want, because it pertains to a different story that's the one I actually want to talk about, how much do you feel the circus people are actually part of this scenario? <laughs> so in, in, the, in the story of The Alchemist, Julius finds out that the guy he's working for, Dr. Tilly, Tilly, Tilly yeah. makes drugs that he then sells to carny people to breed yeah. sideshow freaks or to uh, adjust just their lives so that 
they are able to make a living as carnival performers. Right, right. Which they actually see as something very beneficial because they are not stuck into an endless kind of capitalist cycle that Mm -hmm. they kind of have control over their lives. And so this mother who basically has a child who's a normie is mm-hmm. searching for drugs to make her child into a dog boy. Exactly. <laughs> and the mother has no arms. She's just got two hands coming out like of, out of her, her shoulders. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And she's the one who's telling, like, no, 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 I, I think we're the luckiest people in the country because we make our own hours and we get to be the, the ones who decide how we make our money. And it, so it's, it's very much an indictment against capitalism. I think Wolf was trying to show that... It, it really does feel like a indictment. It's like even even these people who are are so outside the fringe of society are better off than those of us who are trapped inside the society. You know, it's like who who yeah. who, are, who are the real monsters? You know, the 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 dog boy or or me who's going to be stuck making tang for the next thirty years uh, <laughs> for a step uncle who doesn't even like me that much. You know, it's it's so that's I mean that that seemed to me like the most most likely reading, but. Who knows? I could have missed something altogether and it could be totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is that later on we get a letter from the dog boy mm-hmm. to yeah. Weir, yes. who is, of course, our main character again, Alden Dennis Weir. So he is at different times called all three names. Yes. <laughs> you know, the etymology of the name Alden means half Danish, Dennis yes. means Danish. And weird means man. So he's just, yeah. he's just Danish man. That's his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get a, a note from Charles Turner, mm-hmm. who is the same boy that Julius supposedly saved mm-hmm. because of an overdose of his carny medicine. Right. And he then tells a story of like a Cinderella story, except with a terrible ending of a girl named Doris. Yes. And this is the one that keeps me up at night mm-hmm. because I don't understand where Doris fits into things. Okay. There's a few theories, yeah. I have I have a theory too, but I don't know why it's my theory. Okay. I cannot point to it. So the reason I think this is that Doris who is basically has a has a dad who dies mm-hmm. and then goes to a horrible mom who is then abused mm-hmm. and at some point gets some new clothes and they get real mad and beat her up and then she offs herself it's so sad yeah yeah so the other person that we find out is dead in this chapter is someone who has been named throughout the book but we have never met. And we know that she worked for not just Weir, but also his uncle. So I thought, does this pertain to Miss Burkhead? Who, the secretary. Yeah, who was young by all accounts. Mm-hmm. He mentions that she's very young, that she had a good boss. Then she had a terrible boss mm-hmm. because we know from interactions in the text that while he kind of likes to tell us that he's a great boss and he's one of the guys, he's actually a jerk. 
Yeah, nobody likes and Holden. Super, super an asshole to the mm-hmm. people at the company once he becomes president of the company. Did she commit suicide because of the mental abuse of working for such an asshole? I don't know why that is my my answer or why that comes into my head. I couldn't I couldn't find anybody else who said that. I had never even thought of that. I figured I mean we know we know Miss Burkehead dies because they and Alden yeah. didn't know about it. You know, he's like, Where's right. my secretary? Oh, she's dead. She died. Remember? But oh, in right. between yeah, yeah. him finding out that mm-hmm. she is out for the day. Right. We get that letter. So that yeah. is part of why. Interesting. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then and then the, the, the subsecretary comes mm-hmm. in and he's like, Why would you interrupt me? Bah 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 bah. And she's like, Well, remember I told you that Miss Burke had died. She says that she had already told him. And then he's like, Oh, we'll send some flowers right, up to a hundred dollars right. because I'm a baller. <laughs> so generous. <yeah. laughs> I, I hadn't even thought of that. What, what was... Uh, hmm. I mean, that would... Did you have another thought for Doris? I had a couple of thoughts. Um, what, what did you think, Alana? Yeah. I thought because Doris was... Like, it seemed so out of the blue that she mm-hmm. was mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there's got to be a connection somewhere in here. And then I thought, well, why would he care about Doris if, like... Unless she was like related to him or something mm-hmm. like that, and so I thought maybe she was possibly a child he didn't know about. I hear. Uh, so I looked this up. Mm-hmm. That Cherry is, Gold was kind of the. That's yeah. What a yeah, lot of yeah, people yeah. think. Yeah. I don't. I don't buy that. I don't feel like a, a woman in her twenties would be because it just doesn't seem like the timing yeah. fits right for me. Yeah, also, why would Sherry like? know about taking a kid to a carnival she doesn't really know about right, like right yeah <laughs> yeah my initial thought was oh and we gotta go back to this sherry gold was the underage daughter of a guy that he kind of found some dirt on he and, found some he yeah, found but, some dirt on this guy and she came over to convince him not to go to the police with it she definitely and they slept together yeah 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 she initiated it, but like, here's the thing. She's 16. He was in his 30s at the time. No, yes. no, no. 40s. No, no. He was 40. You think he was even older than that? Yeah. He was in his 40s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, was, and, it does make a difference. It's still awful. It's still yeah. terrible yeah. thing that he did, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that sort, that honestly, that whole situa- situation makes me wonder about him not telling us about people dying because it was his fault like mm-hmm. he's pretty casual of letting us know hey so this hot 16 year old came and was like got in her underwear and i was like sure thing buddy but like is he really gonna then hide all these other grizzly murders i don't mm-hmm. know because he's pretty cavalier about his horribleness and, and yeah and that's what it is and, and then the question comes up well what is what is too horrible and if he's really revisiting his life it's like well, maybe he saw that time when he banged a 16 year old. It's like, hey, high five for me. Yeah, way to go. You know, but so this is this is where this all ties together to me. So the very first time we get an idea that that we might be floating around in 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 at least time or or whatever the case may be, is the very first chapter, he he imagines going to a doctor's office because he wants to get some information on how to deal with a stroke. 
And when he's talking to the doctor, he's like, no, I know it looks like I'm, I'm in my thirties right now, but I'm actually in my sixties. I want to know what it's like to have a stroke. And I'm just visiting you in the thirties. Cause this is when I saw you last, which right off the bat is like, what the fuck is going on here? But in the waiting room of the doctor's office are like a really random bunch of people. There's, um, Marjorie, Maggie Long, Mar- Margaret Long, who is the long lost love of his life. Yeah, she's yeah. forlorn. Yeah, she, she's <laughs> the long lost love of his life. And I'm sure he did something terrible to mess that relationship up that he doesn't talk about. Sally Gold is there, or Shelly Gold is there. Sherry. Uh, Sherry. Okay. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> Sherry Gold is there. And she's talking to Ted Singer, who's another young guy that gets who's brought at up his at the office. At the office, yeah. right. Uh, and we find out later that Ted's dad died while he was working at the factory or at least it yeah. Was, or yeah and while he died at the factory while he was working there it, it, at the time it's not really made clear but later on in the book weir himself tells a story about how in the factory when he was younger some guy got locked in the freezer as a prank and froze to death and so that's like that's where the mystery of the ghost comes from that that, that is supposed to haunt the freezer so in my my brain, I'm I'm going okay. Weir might have been involved in that. Who would have died at that time? Well, it wouldn't have been Ted. Ted was too young, but Ted's dad died. So what yeah. if Weir felt guilty about killing Ted's dad, even though it was a prank and it went bad? Now here, Ted, we know Sherry talked about hooking up with other guys before. She's like, oh, I've got a few boyfriends. You're not you're my you're not my person at all. What if she's knocking out with Sherry? What if it's Ted and Sherry's baby? And we're like set up, tell you what, you're 16, you can't have a baby, it might be mine. I don't know, I don't know for sure, but what if I talk to these people that I know and I help you take care of the baby? This is my question, though, mm-hmm. because we do know that that Weir is not especially close with his uncle, especially right. after right. his aunt's death, right. which could be because of grief. There, I have a list of all the there, suspicious deaths. He may have had something to do with it, perhaps, maybe killed his aunt. I mean, he definitely had some sort of edible feelings. Oh, definitely had yeah. some edible, edible feelings towards his aunt, absolutely. So things get creepy, but he wasn't especially close. And it also seems odd to me that then Julius would leave him the company, which they say is because of that he was his aunt's his aunt's heir so he became yeah but like this Maybe is a publicly traded yeah. he's a it's a publicly traded company mm-hmm. they don't have lawyers that would yeah. have ex, you know had a a plan of action besides some mid-level manager in the in the engineering department right, gets right. to be the new boss seems weird so my list of mysterious deaths, Bobby is not very mysterious. No, you know where Bobby comes from right off the bat, yeah. But Aunt Olivia is mysterious to me. She uh, is killed, run over by a car. Yes. yes. We don't know uh, who was driving the car. Yeah. Sherry is mysteriously dead. It just says one day Sherry died and doesn't say yep. anything about that. Yep. Lois has disappeared. Lois was the woman he was the, treasure the, hunting the with. The one, yeah. the one yeah. who pulled the gun on him. Yeah, right. Yeah. New employee frozen in the freezer. <laughs> we um, know he died. It just might have been an accident, right? We also know that a young employee was the one who was supposed to let him out. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how it was in his first two years after college. Could have very easily been weird who was supposed to let him out. There was nothing scarier 
than being in a plant by yourself. Yep. Anyway, just saying. And then mm -hmm. I also think Miss Burkhead's death is very mysterious, even I, though I think I she thought about Miss Burkhead, but you're probably right. Yeah, that is. And so here's the thing: Did this guy kill eight or nine people in his life, or did he accidentally kill one kid when he was five? Like, and that's. And everything yeah. else is just a tragic thing. People die, you know? But he's also an asshole. But he's also clear. a terrible person. He's also a terrible person. He's a bad person, yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. He's not a likable guy at all. But if you're looking at this in a... in a Wolf himself reverted to, to Catholicism when he married his wife. And a lot of his, especially later books, deal a lot with the mysticism of Catholicism. He's very much a... I never got the feeling in, a, in hearing about him in interviews that he's really, like, practicing. But he, he likes... The, the pageantry, the, the mysticism and Catholicism. You know, I think he, he was very drawn to that. But yeah. this feels very much more Eastern to me. If, if we're looking at the idea of you, you relive the bad parts of your life until you can deal with them. It feels more like the bardo. It feels more like some sort of karmic wheel than it does. I mean, I guess it could be purgatory, but I mean, well, he's definitely in some sort of afterlife. That's for sure. Yeah. And and Chinese culture is a big part of the book mm -hmm. because his yeah. aunt is is kind of obsessed with it. And there is a whole, they go through a whole lot of hoops to purchase a egg that was painted and purchased by missionaries to China. Mm -hmm. The affair of the Chinese egg. <laughs> and, and the egg is is painted with Chinese mythological figures meant to stand in for Jesus. Jesus and other Christians. So it's, again, it's a yeah. marriage of yeah, the, uh, of it's, religions of cultures. Yeah, Eastern and what, like yes. it says, like Mary's or Mary Magdalene's there, but she has bound feet. Like she right, looks right, like a Chinese what, yeah. lady mm. in in the picture. So yeah, there's a there's wild mix-ups of religion. However, not many of the characters are actually religious. No, the the, the only the only outwardly religious family i think is the lorns they're the ones who are going to church on regular races yeah right julius smart does say that he doesn't drink for religious reasons so he has an outward show of it that isn't just like he's maybe the only one who consistently shows that he doesn't do something mm -hmm. because it interferes with his morals right other than that we don't get regular churchgoers. Right, right. We actually see characters go to church events in order to find out information. <laughs> to get gossip, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. to to yeah to socialize, mm. but it is never about the religious event. It is about what they can get out of it. Yeah. And the majority of those people are in the higher echelons they're the elite members of the society they're the, they're the bankers <laughs> they're the factory owners it's they're the rich people the wealthy you know, families are, yeah yeah the wealthy families and even julius if you think about it he's telling a story the first time he meets this this beautiful woman and he's trying to impress her so maybe you know maybe oh i don't drink because i'm i'm a, I'm a good christian boy trying to make himself look good and so you didn't even I, I see I don't even think Julius was at all was ended up being all that uh they, he does say that he does that he never drank yeah uh, later Weir says that right yeah obviously Weir's somewhat unreliable as a narrator well, here's the thing does Dr. Tilly even exist yeah who knows because there's one point 
and it's it's one time he's referenced, but he refers to him as Julius T. Stone. T could very uh, easily smart, stand for yes. yeah. or smart. Julius T. Smart, but T could very easily stand for Tilly. So maybe you know he's the Julius is the one who's been was mixing up the medicine all along. I don't know. I don't know. But that's a great story. The Alchemist is a great story. What a creepy, yeah. creepy ghost story it was. Yeah. But then it turns out to not be a ghost story. But you don't but find that out until three chapters later. You actually don't know for sure. It yeah. is. It is the you find a a dead body in the in the locked bedroom. Mm-hmm. But when the body was died, you can't tell because it was basically in embalming fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what was that person alive right up until Tilly died? Who knows? You could say either way, but unsettling either way. Yeah, yes. and also that has a lot of parallels with yeah. right at the same time with Olivia being bathing mm-hmm. a lot when she gets mm-hmm. married and still Alden is getting her things in the bathtub and he gets real creepy about it. Long past yep. what he should be. He's got he's got to be 12, 13 years old at least by that time. Yeah. yeah. So creepy. But yeah, I mean that's she 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 treats him like a she she's treated him like a a distraction and a and a tool for his entire life. So she, she probably doesn't even realize it, yeah. And we I don't know. I I te- like she definitely does a lot more effort than his parents do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, when a kid just comes to visit you and you're taking him on dates basically to kind of give yourself space from these suitors who you're not that into. <laughs> yeah. And then when one of them climbs down a rope, he's like, she's like, Hey, why don't you just slice the rope kid who just accidentally killed another kid? Mm-hmm. Like that's something that seems really that's unreasonable to Horribly, with. horribly <laughs> tone deaf. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what's his response? He said, should. He says, "I should I? I should I? Like, like he doesn't what? give us a joke. Yeah, it's like I, yeah, I've done, bef- I've done it before, and and then yeah, yeah. He's and also very terrible at social cues. Yeah, throughout yes. the book, it's reliably yeah. shown yeah, that yeah. he doesn't doesn't get people maybe the way he should. He kind of prides himself on being super logical, but it's shown again and again. He tells us these stories about things that he's figured out." In the beginning of the chapter, he tells a story about what brand new means. And it but means that something's wrong. branded yeah. like by an iron, mm-hmm. but that's not the etymology of that mm-hmm. word at all. And so it he's like, oh, I'm so smart. I can totally figure all this stuff out, guys. Except that he's telling you that, no, I'm not that smart because I <laughs> don't know this and I have convinced myself of it, but it's not true. It's the yeah. confidence and mediocrity of white men. I mean, that's really what it is. It's like, uh, oh, I, if I figured that out, blah, blah, blah. This is it's like, that's ob- very obviously not the answer. Like, it's <laughs> provable, but he's so sure of it. You know, yeah. And I think that's exactly what he's, he's developmentally squashed. He's an asshole. Uh, he's not, he's not, he has no redeeming qualities. No, And yet, I don't know. I don't want him to get stuck in this endless cycle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like, I, I hope he figures out whatever he needs to figure out. But or is the cycle something that he has to go through to to 
get i mean the the name of the novel is peace yeah and it's something yeah. he There's doesn't no have yeah i don't know that the word came up i don't i don't remember it i think it's, um, somebody says it once yeah 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 um but maybe that's what he needs in order mm-hmm. to attain this this concept that is clearly what what he's after but is not yeah. attaining yeah he can't rest in peace yet that's exactly what it is so because he he's not ready to come to terms with 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 things he didn't, with his life yeah 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 i don't know if anybody else has any specific stories or anything that they want to talk about i do have a, a little theory that kind of came out of sure the, i love theories this is my favorite part of gene wolf books um, people's theories yeah so when I, there's actually a point where I questioned when he was like the suitor was going down the hole down the rope and she did say cut it. Mm-hmm. I kind of wondered if he actually did and then he he fixed it like in that moment. Like he changed saying, it in his memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he fixed it and and uh when and basically when Olivia's like, you wouldn't actually do that, would you? Right. And then I think that was the fixing it and him like trying to re- like fix it in his brain, basically. So do you do you think what was going on was that he was given the ability to sort of change his memories or change the actions of his life? Yeah, or he has like differently? a yeah. wrong a wrong memory, like because later oh he he's say, changing the memory of what actually happened. Okay, yeah, yeah. to be like that he did the good thing or like he didn't go by his impulse. Or I mean, he, well, and Professor Peacock, who is the guy who's hmm. down the hole, continues to be in the story. Right. Yeah. After that. Yeah, but uh, the the theory is that he was injured and he might have been the one that took the car and drove Olivia over because he was yeah. angry about it. Right. Well, and he was also jealous, although it yeah. is pretty clear that uh, he was Olivia, still having an affair with, yeah, with Olivia. Olivia yeah, yeah. At least still with two of the, I, I believe just two of the original suitors. suitors. Yeah. Not, not. Uh, Jimmy McAfee and, and Professor and Peacock, for, yeah. But yeah. not. The, not the banker. banker, yeah, the horrible banker, who was the one who Alden <laughs> was always most impressed with. That's yeah, the, the banker who made most of his wealth defrauding people during the, the depression. Right. He was yeah. He was the one who we were was like he. I always thought he was a great businessman. What a, what a great man he was. Yeah. And and Alden has this sort of, I guess, mind palace sort of thing. It's, it's, um, it's very much what it is. Yeah. yeah where basically he says he's cr- created this house, but it's not a real place because he loses yeah. himself in it. And it, it's just not, but that he has recreated all of these other places. And one of the places in his, in his mind house is Stuart Blaine's like entryway, entryway because yeah. it made such an impression on him. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he also, entranced by the trappings of wealth yeah, yeah he also comments on how the house continually changes shape and actually it's expanding which makes me feel like he's more trapped in his own mind than before and there's also yeah, some he's like remembering more memories he's unlocking more rooms yeah. yeah 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 and there's like a few moments like i can't remember the exact point but i think it was like it wasn't olivia but it was somebody else asks him who's behind him and i think that's his ghost like that's him, his his older self as a ghost behind that's, him, his younger self. So that's in the the very it first in the story. Kate, yeah, it happens in the Kate Donahue story too. Yeah, and and, yeah, yeah. and Kate is a is has a while never being actually in the book. 
like it's just memories of her telling stories to different people in her life she's in it throughout the whole thing including the first and last stories of the book but it's interesting so i'll just because i have it highlighted she's like so kate katie says to hannah who is Weir's childhood housekeeper. I've been wanting a word with you, darling. Who's that behind you? This is a memory that Hannah is telling Weir as a child. And and she says to Katie, then in her memory, oh, that's just little Den, Katie. He's been there before. And she says, yes, but there's another dimmer yet behind him. I thought this was the audience. Uh, that's uh, uh, yeah. I yeah, as the audience, yeah, that we were looking into the memory too. But it could just as easily be old weird looking into the memory, yeah. of the memory of the memory. Yeah, I mean, it's because just- he also has strange interactions throughout. Where, like, like you said before, where in the doctor's room, he literally goes, "I'm the thirty-year-old version of the, but I'm actually the old version. I'm having a stroke right now, and I need your help." And he or does the- that again when he's five, and he's talking to Doctor yeah. Black. But who's yeah. the? of the boy that he killed yeah who wants like, to oh, know well, I'm, all I'm, of- six, I'm from the future i'm not five years old and he's like oh yeah what happened to my son oh your son's dead yeah he died yeah. It, was, it was pretty tragic <laughs> and then the dentist says if you, one more word out of you and i'll yank your teeth out or something like, oh, yeah you know, he like shoves his his fingers his- down his throat because he's checking for strep throat right like, <laughs> one more word out of you and i'll bleach you all the way down or something like that it's like oh shit okay there's an interesting <laughs> part bringing up this the the one dimmer behind you is that at some point, way after we have our first initial visit with Dr. Vaness, we go back to that room mm-hmm. and Weir says, I thought we were done with you. Right. So yeah. again, I thought that was the audience, but I, uh, I think that's... you could easily say that that's him in different time periods. Time? Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I thought 1930s and 1950s me was done with you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which leads to that he doesn't necessarily have control. And I think that becomes more and more apparent that as as the novel goes on and he gets deeper into his memories, other memories get triggered quicker and quicker and he, and he bounces around a lot more. And I think he doesn't have any control of where he's going. I think, I think he's yeah. really literally bouncing, you know, he's losing whatever grip he has. Yeah. yeah. Elm trees live about 300 years if they're well-maintained. So if the elm tree just fell over, Weir's been dead at this time for about 300 years. Well, Another... and yeah, he says constantly when he's talking to people as even a young man mm-hmm. that everyone's been dead a long time. Everyone's been dead yes. a long time. So the question yes. is, is is Alden Weir the last memory of a, of humanity? Like, is he, is he the last shred of what's left? You know, it's not, it doesn't pertain to the novel at all. I think it's just an interesting thought. Is it? The, the area like Cassinsville. Mm-hmm. Cass- Cassinsville. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did did it survive? Exist. You know, another. This is 1975. There's a nuclear war. You know, there's yeah. still a cold war. Yeah. Or yeah. another recession. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They they did great yeah. during. I mean, I I don't think they were there during the depression, but they would have been there during some other recession. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think. The, the the timeline is basically 
because the, the it goes it kind of goes everywhere. But he would have they would they would have lived in town during the depression. Yeah. This is this is why this mm-hmm. is why I know this is because at the end of the book, an interviewer from a paper comes in, yeah. and says everyone else is experiencing terrible economic status but you guys keep growing Mm -hmm. yeah and so he wants to do a human interest piece on how how this is happens and so that's how i know that at least in that economic downturn in their area they're doing great but Mm -hmm. do they continue to do that in the next one like the rest of the town has been dying yeah yeah yeah. the, the town is is tang basically right, it is potatoes lot, yeah. like they they talk about how it used to like farmers used to grow other things but now all they grow is potatoes because potatoes. that's what the that's what the factory needs and it's killing the land and they won't you know everyone's farms are closing down and yeah yeah and then there's I also that farmer like the yeah. farmer who comes in and actually talks about it and blames tang for taking yeah. away everything and he's most likely Abel Green, who is the, the they, they own the they own the family farm. The Weir's family owned their farm. They were and they they're like share yeah sharecropper yeah. kind of right. people yeah. where they're tilling the land for somebody else to make money off of them. And he's one of the people in the hospital at the. See, I think, I think if we went through the book again, if we saw whatever the next iteration is, there would be different people in the waiting room. I get the feeling that the way that the, the, the whoever's in the waiting room for whichever way he goes through are the people he feels he's affected negatively the most. Like, I feel like those are the folks that he consciously, unconsciously feels he needs to atone with. Yeah. That's um, interesting. He needs to heal them or hear the, you know. Because yeah, you, Margaret it, was in there at one point, right? Ma- Margaret's there. Margaret's um, there. We, we never find out what happens. Sure. There. I mean, well, yeah, it is but, kind of probably the time he went to college, and yeah. and he talks about how at like basically the time he comes back from college, that's when he's unhappy. Right. So I think that maybe he assumed she would continue, Wait for him and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and when he came back from college, she was married. Right. Um, maybe it's just a, maybe it's his regrets, not so much the, the, the his biggest regrets. Maybe not the people he feels he wronged the most. Oh, that makes that. His, that makes that one scene really like really uncomfortable then the one where he's like peeking at sherry it makes it so much more violent like so much more violent yeah, yeah. I, so in in my initial message to to jason i said i felt a i think i said asshole's a, a ghost yep. and asshole is going to kill sherry gold is what i told you right yeah, and I didn't respond to that one. I no, you did Maybe. Yeah. Because I already knew that, well, you know, he's not going to kill her, but you know, he's going to do something with her. He, maybe. But maybe he we did. No. <laughs> maybe he did. I don't, it's you know. It's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially if her, the thing she's seeing the doctor about is her gaining weight. And right. she is a 16-year-old in the doctor. And she and does. she's with a young boy. And she mm-hmm. says we have a problem and he said we all have problems you know and then and then yeah. she gets called in so she's probably pregnant i mean she's most likely pregnant yeah. and yeah. we also know that sherry gold was very much she didn't she didn't want a husband and a family however she did want to use her feminine wiles to oh, make the, stuff it's happen the worst yes. analogy the, the magic yeah. hole oh it makes me cringe yeah. There, are time, there are a few times it was like, oh, this was definitely written by a 40-year-old guy in the 70s. There's some terrible things in here. Yeah, yeah. I think that whole thing just, I was like, 
my that whole, that whole scene in a awful. permanent twisted grimace. Yeah, and but it's, you know it's supposed to. You know, you know, you know, it's supposed to be terrible. You're supposed to be. Oh, this is. Um, yeah. But yeah, but there, oof, no. Oof. Yeah. So we keep going kind of through this, and there are so many icks in this this yes. book. So how I want to know how you guys take it, and especially Jason, because you like this book a lot. I do. So like this what book. is it? What is it that really makes it worth reading to you? Okay. Or that you take from it that makes it a good book? For me, it is the fact that it does draw out conversation of people. It is a book that lends itself to, I have this theory, I have this theory, what about this theory, what about that theory? So I like that it, it is a puzzle with no clearance. The only, guy, the only guy who knew what was going on is Gene Wolfe, and he's been dead for seven years. And... He probably didn't remember who did what, you know, 10 years after he wrote the book, you know. Oh, um, absolutely. And and yeah. the people have put on on all sorts of forums that they asked him at such and such a cause. He's a notorious he liar. Yeah. And he said, absolutely, Julius Smart killed, or not Julius Smart, Professor Peacock killed Olivia. And I was like, I'm not taking any of that at face yeah, value. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the whole point of the book is that he's yeah. an unreliable narrator. Yeah. yeah, and 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 Wolf was very much an unreliable interviewee. He lied in the interviews all the time about a book about his books anyway. So I I love the puzzle aspect, but I also Gene, I think Gene Wolf is just a beautiful writer. He has such a such a, a lovely grasp of especially when he's he's describing geographic locations or nature scenes. Like he's got such a beautiful way of writing. I just love his prose. I really do. So yeah, I think I think yes. Is it a problematic book at points? There's there's some racist stuff in there. There's um, but I think it's also meant to show a the time and b right, also that right. the people of the yes. upper class are assholes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I, so I mean, it can I be really excused think, in the sense of that of that. Yeah, I really do think though that the like at the the women at the party dressing up like. Indians and making a treaty. Mm -hmm. I think that is to show how absolutely tone deaf and just oblivious these upper class women are to what's going on, what happened in their town before. I don't actually think that that is supposed to be like that. I don't think that that is Gene Wolfe espousing that ideology. You can tell when Gene Wolfe is talking and you can tell when his characters are talking. It makes it very clear, you know, I, I, I've never felt that he's a problematic writer. I've read a lot of his stuff, but he is, was very much a product of his time. At the same time, this is a guy who grew up in the in the 30s and 40s. He, you know, he wrote mostly in the 70s and 80s and there was definitely a style. So, so he's very much a writer of his time. But yeah, I, I love the beauty of the prose. I love the puzzle nature of it. And yeah, and, and it, I, I feel like I learned something where my, my thoughts about the book change every time I've read it. Like I've, I've gone, I've yeah. read it three times now, and I think I might in a couple of years I might go back again and see if see if I pick up on anything. Yeah. What about you, Alana? Overall thoughts? What do you think? Worth a read? Not worth a read? Do you think that you got something from it? Would you recommend it? I would say if you're really like puzzles and really get into that like discovery and creating theories and kind of creating community out of it I would definitely recommend that for people like that who love like as you mentioned before they bounce like to bounce off ideas and theorize with with a group of people because it is very interesting like all the little topics that you can pull from the book I would say that's really great for those type of people if you don't if you're like a very literal person I would not recommend the book because you'll it might be a nice read like poetry wise uh 
it's very poetic. It's very pretty to read, I would say. If And another thing is maybe a more mature audience would be the best for the book as well. But yeah, that's basically what I... Yeah, probably a 16-year-old was not going <laughs> to... Yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that it, at least in the edition I have, Neil Gaiman did a, mm. a afterword in it. And he basically said, like, you know, he was like, yeah, this is pretty about an old man. And I'm thinking, wowzer, how did you not pick up on the, like, dead infant baby imagery mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. first chapter? Like, it's yeah. wild to me, but, <laughs> you know. We were spoiled by the sixth sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, he was, he was a ghost all along in 1975, movie. wasn't a common trope. It you know, it would have been pretty. No, yeah. and. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a similar yeah. experience to Aaron. <laughs> yeah, when I, I was, was like, like, oh, he's dead, right? I, like, he's right dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was 16, watching it the first time on video cassette in my, in my living no, room with my friends at, right a, yeah, at, yeah. at a slumber party. And somebody else had seen it, and I had not. And I was like, so he's a ghost, right? And they were like, shh, don't ruin it that was like i haven't seen it before i'm just yeah. guessing i saw him with my dad and i definitely leaned over him bruce willis has been dead the whole time and he's like what <laughs> but so i feel like so my ideal book and like jason knows this because we've talked about it and he talks he talks shit about me only reading patrick Rothfuss and like I love those books because you get in deep. Too. I yeah. know, but I read yeah. them a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am, and by the way, everybody, you know, he did announce that he's putting out a new book in November, guys. Yeah, it's uh, not the next book. Though. It's not. I know. <laughs> I know. It's not the. It's not the book, but like it's a book, so I'm happy. And I think I love getting into it and kind of thinking about all these things. And part of what kind of almost makes me sad about having the king killer like the idea of king killer three is that i you will probably know all the answers and that was a nice thing about this book this book does not give you all the answers and it's nope. up to a lot of interpretation and like i said that door story keeping me up at night it's like that yeah. one sticks out like a sore thumb in my head and it's it can't oh, go away carney could have just been making stuff up Trying to get money out of them. It could just be a common game. I don't know. You know, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to bring up the main. Okay. This is a okay. like little key, important little thing. Okay. That Smart is the main character of the story. That was a very important line. Here's the thing it says Smart, at this point, Smart is the central character of this book. And it's yeah. the third it's chapter. It's the middle of, of the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's the middle of the book. It's it's a cute, smart-ass moment. <laughs> which, is a, which is such a nerd writer pun. Like, I was like, oh, is it? Yeah, this is the middle of the book. Right, right, right. And it is, uh, it, yeah, it's not the longest the chapter, but it is yeah. It is basically, the, the book is a little chapter, a huge chapter, a medium chapter, a huge chapter, a tiny <laughs> chapter. It's like, it's like a, a mirror image. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's yeah. the central figure he's the central figure yeah. in the yeah. middle of the book yeah yeah i just have um, to point that one out <laughs> no that was good yeah 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 so i i think it's good in that aspect i don't know that i recommend it That's you fair. gotta be able to have a lot of time to put into it 
I honestly, I looked up a couple other books and maybe like Book of the New Sun or, yeah. or oh, I mean, if you want to get in, Cerberus would be. If you want to get a, into that, yeah. Well, I think well, that maybe that makes that would, me intimidated now. <laughs> I think those might be a maybe more fun place to start. I don't know. More, it's his genre. Like he's a sci-fi writer. Yeah. And this is, while it has supernatural elements, it's not very in your face about it. No, yeah. it's it's a magical realism. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's speculative fiction, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. And to me, as a sci-fi reader, that's what I, I mean, not that that's all I read. I try to read very broadly, but that's where I'm going to, that's my home. And mm-hmm. I will venture out and I will see other things. But like, yeah, sci-fi, uh, science fiction, fantasy, that's where I'm at. So uh, book so, of, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Book of the New Sun, if you, if you want to check out more Dream Wolf. Book of the New Sun is about a, an apprentice, apprentice torturer who travels through time <laughs> and space and finds out he may be the Messiah. And Fifth of Cerberus is about a clone who grows up on a brothel on a planet that may or may not be full of shapeshifters who have forgotten their shapeshifters. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, but honestly, sounds a lot like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but with sci-fi. Unreliable narrators, puzzles, interpretations that, you know, chapters that don't explain a thing until five chapters later or before. It's it's very much his thing. That's like, it's, I, he makes guess, puzzle boxes. Yeah. yeah, I guess that for me, exploring a, a fantasy world where mm-hmm. the things are a little bit more in, uh, fantastical would make it maybe more okay. fun for me to dive into this. Whereas mm-hmm. like just an asshole lamenting his <laughs> assholery. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. I don't that's know. Fair. That's, that's absolutely fair. Thing. Well then, Aaron, why don't you check out Fifth Head? Because I think you would you would get into it and then and then let me know how you feel about it. I will talk pro- about it. If you wait, if you ever want to give Gene Wolf a Book of the New Sun's like a series, right? It's there's like four or five books, and they yeah, are let, they uh, are hefty. They are I want, weighty. I yeah. want a one book. I want a Fifth, one book entry point. Fifth so. Head is three novellas. It's it's one collection. Okay. You get through them. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. That's that's maybe where I go next. If yeah. I if, if you if want I have more time. Jewel. Yeah. However, <laughs> where we are going next is Cersei by Madeline Miller. That is our next month's book. So we would love to have more people reading. Yes. Please join our Discord because there are some more, I don't know, storytelling type things that we want to explore that aren't mm-hmm. necessarily TTRPGs because storytelling is a huge part of TTRPGs and being a GM and being a writer. It's all the same thing, honestly. Yep. So there's more stuff that we want to explore as a company that isn't just games. And so I think we're going to start putting this up alongside some, maybe some scripted stuff that we want to start doing. So, but yeah, let's please join our discord. There are links to it everywhere. Uh, Reach out to us on social media. If you want to actually like, we'll just send you an invite link right in a DM. But we would love to talk to you about books. We'd love to talk to you about TTRPGs. We love to send each other really ridiculous memes. And Mm -hmm. Jason almost always wants your most ridiculous song choices for the day. Yep. Almost always. And honestly, (laughs) uh, and any anti-capitalist vibes. Absolutely. Is that a fair fair assessment of our Discord? 
Yeah, yes. we, we play games. We mess around. We talk shit on capitalism. Boo, <laughs> <laughs> capitalism. Yay. Oh, and, and we write a game series called Babies and Broadswords. So oh, yeah, that's too. important. Yeah, yeah. That is totally important. Yes, we, we wrote a game called Babies and Broadswords. Hopefully, eventually, we will write another game. But we have just, we're just a bunch of friends who are making stuff together. We don't make any money off of any of this. <laughs> if you want to support us on Patreon, we'd love that because we got one of those and it helps us keep the lights on. <laughs> Because yep. all these editing programs add up to money. Awesome. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. I do not know the date of which we will be doing our next book club, but we will be talking about Cersei by Madeline Miller in our Discord, and then we will do another one of these at toward the end of the month in June. Awesome. Right. Uh, and <laughs> Rick will be back with us. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Finish the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Night.